We are in the Gospel of John, and I invite you to turn there. It's, it's going to be a great, wondrous book, I think, for us. It's a wondrous, amazing account of our Savior, and I pray that we might encounter him more and more as we go through this Gospel. We're in chapter 1, so if you want to turn over to John chapter 1, that's where we are. I'm calling this true calling today because what we get to do is to think about our calling. And I don't know about you, but I spent more time in college. So this is, I think, you know, me growing up and thinking, what weighed on me all the time, I don't know about you, was what is I going to do with my life? And that was particularly when I was young, but honestly, I'm sorry if you're young here and in college or just out of college or before, whatever. It doesn't go away. I still think that. What am I doing with my life? Am I on the right path? Am I taking the right calling? Like this idea, right, of, of am I going the right direction? And, and, and oh, no, and, and, and it weighs. Sometimes anxieties can come over that. And what I'd like to consider for you and me today as Christians sitting here in this place receiving Christ and taking communion together and thinking, hey, I, I trust this Savior, is what's your calling? How does the Bible put it forth? And how does that work out in the sense of, what we actually do with it. So very interesting, I think, hopeful for us today. And the real question is, who's the agent of your calling? But but let's look, because it's no mistake that John writes this gospel. And we've, we've, we're three weeks in. And I hope you've noticed, as we've gone three weeks in, and we talked about the wonder of the Word become flesh and dwell among us, and, and all these amazing things about Jesus, and then, and then John seeing Jesus and identifying Him as the Lamb of God, we looked at that last week, that there's something we haven't heard. Jesus hadn't said a thing. Today we get the first words of Jesus in the Gospel of John. I wonder what they are. The first, because He's planned it out, you know, John, to present Him to us. So we're going to look and see. True calling. What's your calling and how does that play out in your life? Let's look. We're going to talk about Jesus inviting first. He invites, he asks, he opens, he invites us in. So verse 35 is where we're picking it up. The, the, it's a new scene. So it's, it's a new day. So the curtain starts to come up and the, the word of God in verse 35 says this, the next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. Two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. So so John's witness is heard, right? That's the thing. And when John's witness is heard, John the Baptist, the results that follow, and we think, oh, oh, they want to follow Jesus. Like, I don't want to follow Jesus. Let's follow Jesus together. And that's not actually what these guys are doing. They're like trailing him. Like a spy movie, you know. (laughs) Jesus walking down the streets and then like a block back, these guys are walking. Going, hey, what's going on? We're following this guy. We're following down the street. And so Jesus turns around to him, right? Jesus turns. He saw them following and he says, first words of Jesus in the Bible here, Gospel of John. What are you seeking? I don't think we can minimize these words. Here they are, the very first words. What do you want, he says. What are you all looking for? And I think that remains a question for you and me. Like we say, I, I, I want respect, I want success, I want, I, I want to be somebody, I want to do something, I, I, I don't know. Here's what they want, they say, 
Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? <laughs> That's interesting. Well, what we want to know is where are you staying? That's like, we want to hang out with you. Basic desire, where, where are you hanging out? This is the response of those who, I think, come to Christ. They say, man, I want, I want to find Jesus. Where is he at? And, and this is a formula that's going to be permeating this whole book, that Jesus says, what do you want, and invites you to come and see. This book is about hanging out with Jesus. How do, how do we hang out with Jesus? One of the best ways we do is we see what he said. We look at his life. We get these, these pictures and these images of him because the book, this word, is the presentation of him. This witness proclaimed. Do you see? Because that's what Jesus says, right? He says what? He said to them, come and see. That says to come and you will see. That's true too. But it just says come and see. So they, they came and they saw where he was staying. And they stayed with him that day. For it was about the tenth hour. <laughs> this is really fun. Because this is the invitation, right? They came and they saw. They went over for the afternoon. That tenth hour piece, it literally means it was 4 p.m. So they came over in the late afternoon. And the, the implication is they spent the night. So here's the son of God and now he's on earth and he's walking. He said, come over over to where I'm at. And they just come and see and they hang out and they're interacting with him and they get to be around him. That's it. He doesn't say, come and I will give you some tasks to accomplish. Come and I will give you the plan. No, come and see Jesus. And for everyone who hears, right, that, that's, that's the invitation that, that is the calling that you have. The Son of God calls. Come and see. Have you? I mean, it's amazing, right? And, and, and it's not just the hearing. It's not just this invitation. It's also that he knows. Follow, follow this. This is really interesting how, how he does it here. That he knows. Jesus knows exactly what he's doing. I know, it's like a cliche. You guys may be thinking, okay, I get this already, Dax. Super basic today. Say, Jesus is the one who invites. I get that. Yeah, you, do you really? And Jesus is the one who knows exactly what he's doing. Well, yeah, of course. Well, no, do you really know? Trust that. Look, look what happens. One of the two who heard John speak and follow Jesus was Andrew. Simon Peter's brother. Okay, so we get these names, right? So these says, okay, now one of the guys who was kind of stalking Jesus, and Jesus turns and invites him over to his house, is Andrew. And we already know who Andrew is. He's one of the 12 disciples. And he's Simon Peter's brother, we're told. Put yourself in the mind of the people who read this first. Why would he drop that name? Because everybody knows who Simon Peter is. Everybody knows. Why? Because this gospel isn't the first gospel ever written. It's like, oh, I've never even read. No, this gospel is the last gospel written. People have already read Matthew and Mark and Luke. And 30, 40 years later, here comes the gospel of John. Like Simon Peter's the superhero. You ever hear of superhero origin stories? It's like, where did they come to be? Oh, Peter. When you hear Peter's name, you go, oh, yeah, he's the number one disciple, right? He's the guy. 
the first among everybody, who's always first in all the accounts, who does the most miracles, who got to see the most. And there's a simple little statement about his call. Because Simon Peter's brother Andrew first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Not such a huge argument. His brother just says, hey, we found him. You know, John often gives this little translation of terms he uses. So if he uses a Hebrew kind of term, he'll say this is what it means. But I think it also serves to emphasize, don't you think? I mean, he says, right, we found the Messiah, the Savior. The presentation of the Bible, this is the word of God, is really simple on what's going on. There's a proclamation that goes out about who Jesus is. And there's a response. That's all. Proclamation to the hearer. He brought him to Jesus, it says. Jesus looked at Peter, Simon. He said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. So, so he speaks, right? Jesus speaks. He says, if I can use Yoda speak, you Simon are. You Peter will be. Because that's what he does, right? He says, hey, you are Simon. That's your name. I know who you are. And you're going to be Peter. Way before he was called Simon Peter, this is how Peter got his name. Jesus spoke it. Jesus named him. Jesus knows who Peter is. He knows what he will do with Peter. He knows exactly how he's going to use Peter before Peter does a thing, right? What is this setting up to be? This is Jesus calling his disciples, but it's Jesus calling them. It's Jesus actually doing things and Jesus showing both his heart to say, I invite you to come and see, and his heart and his knowledge to he knows what he's going to do. This is, this is really important as we live our lives because I functionally think it's dependent on me to get the things done in my life. This is American-like independence. Don't tell me what to do. I'm going to do it what I'm going to do by my ingenuity and my, my ability and my things. Now, here's Jesus actually saying, I'm naming you, Peter. Jesus creates what he wants. Not Peter saying, well, yeah, Peter, that will be my calling. The calling is seeing Jesus and Jesus acting as he wants to. And this is amazing. Unless you think we're just kind of reading in. Keep your eyes on Jesus as it goes through. Because he moves as he wants to. Look at Jesus. It says, the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. So Jesus decides, Jesus finds, he found Philip, and Jesus speaks. That's the call, isn't it? It's the words from Jesus saying, hey, follow me. It's interesting that Philip's from the same town as Andrew and Peter, but Jesus went out of his way to go find him, right? So Andrew and Peter go, this is the mechanism. So the actual mechanism is different, but it's about Jesus finding the people he wants to get. And he does it. Look at his testimony, this 
The same pattern happens. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Same city. Philip found Nathanael, and he said to him, We have found the him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. I mean, I, I don't want to be too simplistic, but this is pretty simple writing, right? Philip goes and finds somebody else, and the finding is what? The announcement. We have found him, the one who Moses and the law and the prophets wrote. Yeah, you know, the law and the prophets are all about Jesus, the coming of this one, and we found him, and, and his. Yeah. He's a little off, isn't he? You ever notice that? You ever look in the Bible and say, wait a minute. What does he say? We found him of whom the law and the prophet spoke. Did he find Jesus? No. Jesus found him. Right? So the Bible actually says that Jesus went and found Philip, and then Philip saying, No, I found we found Jesus. And then he said, No, we always think that way. You think I did it, you know, and I did this, and here I did this thing, and I made this, and I went this way. And the Bible's pretty clear, no, Jesus is doing it. But he still uses Philip. It's so cool. He knows what he's doing. Even when it seems like we're doing it, the proclamation, the call to the hearer, Jesus is Messiah. And, and so Jesus knows what he's doing for Andrew, for Peter, for Philip and Nathaniel. And I just want to point out to you, this is the call, right? This is the amazing thing of Jesus going and getting his guys. I know all about Peter. Tell me something about Philip. And no, he's not the Philip of Acts 8. Tell me something about the other person that he goes on and calls another disciple named Nathaniel. We know his other name is Bartholomew, son of Tholomew. Guess what? Other than that, we know nothing. Tell me all the great deeds he did. Nothing. Tell me about how the, the how he served Jesus and did fantastic things for Jesus and, and was amazing. Nothing. What do I know about this disciple of Jesus? Jesus went and found him, and the testimony that he has is the testimony that's right here, the only time he's in the Bible, except for the very end where his name is mentioned again. At the end of John. We know nothing. It's not about Jesus calling to great deeds. It's about who you're called by. Do you see the one who's so amazing? That's the trust we have. We're called by the one who does what he wants. Who invites you to come and see. That's amazing and deep and real. We're talking about calling today. This is the calling. Jesus calling his followers. He calls you. He proclaims to you, I am Messiah. Follow me. As well, like, what do I got to do? I gotta, you got to come and see. That's all. You have to receive him, right? He's the one. Because right away, the first step we want to make, even the word calling, I want to make it about what I'm called to do. And instead, your calling is receiving Christ and trusting he will do. 
I know it seems simple, but I'll tell you, this is profound. This will impact your whole life if that's how you think you're living. It will make cleaning the toilets as valuable as being president. It will make whatever happens in your life an amazement because all you're doing is trusting that wherever you go and whatever you do, it's about Jesus who knows you and is using you all the time. In whatever desires you have, in whatever circumstances that happen, whether you get cancer or you never do, whether, whether you get great success and lots of money or no money and you're out on the street, I'll tell you the main thing becomes the main thing still, right? That underneath it is this reality for you, this settled assurance for you and me. He's called me. I've seen him. I trust that he's using me. That's the ticket, right? Oh, Jesus does it. There's one more piece, and it's it's the culmination. John wrote this scene in these two paragraphs. That's what it is that we're covering today. And he has started with the calling of Andrew and Peter, and it's this short thing, and they see him and follow him, but he invites them. And then he shows that he knows what he's doing with Peter. And then he turns to Philip and Nathaniel and he calls them. And John is building towards this amazing image that's hard to get at the end. Because it's not just that Jesus invites us, he does. It's not just that Jesus knows, he does. It's that Jesus is the one who changes you. Super important. There is such transformation in the Christian life. And Jesus does it. I want to show you. It's, it's, it's there too. Jesus changes. Okay, re- remember, these are the first words of Jesus in the Gospel of John. The whole book is about encountering Him. This is the call to come and see this all. And so, does change happen? Yeah, let's follow Nathaniel. Look, in verse... Verse 45, let me back it up. We got a little ahead of ourselves. Philip found Nathanael, right? He said to him, we found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So he comes up to Nathanael. We don't know who Nathanael is. We're not told, except he's, he's saying we found of whom the law and prophets spoke. So we know that Nathanael's a student of the law. He said, we found him, right? And so Nathanael said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You gotta understand what's saying, cause Nazareth is like the slum. Nazareth, nothing good comes out of this area of Galilee. Nothing happens good out of this. It's not a good place. So that's a sarcastic remark. That's Nathaniel being sarcastic. It kind of says something like, says, hey, I, I had you until, until that last bit of Nazareth? Yeah, right. pretty fun. Philip says to him, come and see. What does Philip do? He gives him the same call that Jesus gave to his people earlier. He says, come and see. The invitation's there. That's the calling. The call says, hey, you, you, I'm, not, I'm not asking you to, to not test it out, to not check it out, to not look. Come and look. I'm telling you, it's true. And he comes to see. He responds, right? And then, and then Jesus speaks. And Jesus is always the center. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, 
Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Okay, wait a minute. Why is this here, and what's it I doing in John, and what's, what, what? Why would he say that? Very interesting thing to say, because it's actually at the same time as Nathaniel said, yeah, right, about Nazareth, him, Jesus, being sarcastic. Super important, we're starting about Jesus. I love Jesus, that's why you're here. We, oh, we've received the love of Jesus. And sometimes I think of Jesus as sitting in his holy robes and sort of looking down on earth and going, ah, sing hymns quietly and reverently. Don't do anything too sarcastic. Don't have a sense of humor. No, this is the very first words. And what is he doing? He gives him a cut. He says right back to him, ha ha, look. And Israelite knew there's no deceit. What, well, what, what's going on? Jesus says, yeah, right. Buddy, something guileless out of Israel. <laughs> you say, well, why is that sarcastic? Because it pulls from the Old Testament. You remember Israel, right? Israel is actually a person before he's a nation. His name was Jacob. Jacob, whose very name means trickster. And he was, right? He was a tricky dude. He came and he cheated his brother out of his inheritance. He went and when he needed to like grow his flocks, he's cheating his, his uncle out of, out of the, the flock by, by feeding him different kinds of wood that made their skin turn colors. Whole stories about Jacob in, in the Bible. And then all of a sudden, he had a name change and became Israel. So Jesus looks and says, look, a son of Israel with no Jacob. What? That can't be. They're the same thing. It can't be that that comes out of that way. What changed Jacob? What made Jacob change? You know what it is. If you want to go back and read it, you can. It's a fantastic story. But here's what made Jacob change. An encounter with God. He encountered God. Jesus is talking to Nathaniel. What is Nathaniel having? An encounter with God. When you come and see, when the calling in your life comes, what do you get to have? An encounter with God. Have you had an encounter with God? Yes, you have. You've seen the Christ. That's happening right here in real time in our story. Nathaniel says to Jesus, how do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Okay, please, please don't miss. It wasn't random. It was not random. Nathaniel's thinking his life is random. I was there studying because what would happen is under the fig tree that people would study and he'd be studying the Old Testament or reading. And so Jesus walks by and Jesus saw him. And Jesus has this whole thing arranged. So here comes Nathaniel and he gets an interaction with God. It's not random. It's not randomness. It's Jesus. He's in charge of the call. And so he said, I started this encounter with you. I saw you before studying the law under the tree. And I made this encounter happen, this change that touches Nathaniel's heart. The very words that get into him are from Jesus. 
Because I'll tell you, those words didn't get into me very well. I said, oh, an Israelite without guile doesn't make me go, whoa. But they were the words that got into Nathaniel's heart, right? How do I say that? Because look what he says. Jesus, oh, did we miss the verse? Verse 49, it's not even there, but it's, it's, it's amazing. It says, Nathaniel answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Whoa. Nathaniel goes, whoa, you're it. And Jesus says back to him, he says, says, he answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe you will see greater things than these? I'm going, yeah, you will. But Jesus orchestrating the hearing of the call to Nathaniel that gets into him and says, oh, wow, it's true. That's a change for Nathaniel, right? Right there. Do you see the change? Hey, this Jesus of Nazareth guy, you know, he, we, we found the Messiah. Yeah, right, buddy. Weird, short interaction with Jesus. <gasps> You're the king of Israel. You're the son of God. That's called a change. That's what's happened to Nathaniel, right? I mean, there'll be more, Jesus says, but it's not less than the change in his heart orchestrated by Jesus. And it gets to the point of the whole passage right here at the end, which says this, Jesus says to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Whenever Jesus really wants to make a big point, he says truly, truly, or verily, verily, that the King James will say, listen up, listen, this is it. I say to you, and he says something that's really so amazing about himself, right? First, first, he's identifying himself. He's the son of man. And that's a very important statement that Jesus himself at this point, right at the beginning of his ministry, he knows he's the son of man. The one spoken of in Daniel, the one referring to the, the, the God that will come, the son of man who represents all of mankind. And here he is. He's saying he's here. And it goes right along with Jesus talking to Nathaniel, who was studying under the fig tree, the law. That's what we think he was doing. And he's hearing this play on the name of Jacob. Jacob the trickster who became something else. Israel, prince among kings. Remember what Jacob saw back in Genesis? I'll, I'll put it on the board for you. Jacob dreamed. And when he dreamed, he, there was a ladder set up on the earth. And the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angel of God were ascending and descending on it. So Jacob had this vision, this dream. And he dreamed of a ladder going up and down with angel. And he didn't know and didn't understand and where it touched down. And, and then eventually had this encounter where he actually wrestled with God, right? And touched his hip and crippled him. And he had this whole encounter. And Jesus says, that ladder, it's me. The way to God is me. The coming down to earth of angels and God is me. The change of your life that you come and see is me. And Jacob, who gets renamed Israel, how did the trickery get removed? How, how, How did he change? Jesus did it. He had an encounter with God. I'll tell you what, it's about, your calling is about today. 
It's about Jesus who acts, not about you who changes. That's this call, this message, this fulfillment. And he's making it happen right here, talking to the one he's called. Jesus creates what he wants. This is the call. So God today doesn't need you to accomplish a task. There's no code to make sure you complete. Your calling's not a quest like in a video game or something. Calling is something that you've experienced. If you're here and you have received Jesus as Messiah, we proclaim him. We just say, come and see. That's all. That's all we've done. And we live in such freedom, knowing the Savior will accomplish what he wants. However, our lives are lived out. He is not dead. He is not without power. He works how he wants. And it's so powerful. It's what makes you alive. And so you're going to see this. And, and if your eyes are open to it, do a word study and look through calling sometime. Because you see Jesus as he's going to go through the Gospels, as he's going to go through his life. He calls. What does he call? He comes to Jairus' daughter who's dead and they laugh at him. And he calls, it says. Daughter, arise. What does she do? She rises from the dead. He he goes to Lazarus who's been dead for three days and he cries out and calls, Lazarus, arise. And what happens? He becomes alive. Why? Because the word that Jesus speaks to you and me is what brings life. Not, not, Not how well we've avoided bad sins, not how well we've managed our life and our retirement, not how well we were working. And No, it's the word of God that goes out to you. And it's for you. You'll go through and see in the, in the New Testament and you can see that you are called to his eternal glory in First Peter. You're called out of darkness into light. You're called to a holy calling. You say, oh, well, that means I'm called to like do holy things. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe everything you do is holy. Why? Because he says you're called to a holy calling, not because of works, but because of his own purpose and grace. He's got you. We press on, Paul writes in Philippians, for the goal of the prize of the upward call in Christ. Which means I just have to trust that this come and see is actually true. That Jesus who has said to me, follow me, is the one who has me and will take me with him when it's time. Not not how well did I do stuff, but precisely that that's not where my hope is. Those he predestined, Romans 8.30 says, he called. Those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he glorified. He's called us. So so it's important to me today, we need to be done with this, but I'll I'll tell you, it is so important. Romans 11 says the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. That if you've heard today that Jesus Christ is your Savior and you trust Jesus, he's got you. He's got you whatever vocation you end up in. He's got you no matter what happens in your life. He's got you all the way through, and his calling is sure. He will use you. Invite people to see this Savior, the one who actually forgives sin, the one who actually has said to the world, I died for you and I love you, the one who offers eternity with him. This is our calling. Hallelujah. He's done it. We're saved. Let's pray.